Welcome everybody to week week two, episode two. I don't know what I should call this, Benny. But um episode two, two, five, and ten. Boys are back. I'm KC, always accompanied by my handsome co host, Benny. Benny, give him a shout. You're too kind, Kevin. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm here for, pal. Um let, let's go with some pleasantries before we get into the other stuff. Um that picture you and the missus posted this week on Facebook, huh? Holy shit. Presidential as fuck. Oh my god. I don't know I don't know which one you're talking about, but I was talking about myself. (laughs) Uh, I I was I saw the picture. I was like, whoa. I was like, legit that's like straight GQ. I thought you guys got a got a mag cover or something. I was like, holy that's that's good. I was jealous. Well, to be honest, I drag the uh, GQ level down by about three or four points whenever she's around me. So I try and do my best. No, she brought it up, pal. She brought it up. <laughs> um, one question. While you were up here, up in Mass, did you ever do Salem Mass? Did you ever get roped into that around Halloween time or whatever? Uh, one time. We did uh, like the pumpkin ride thing and apple cider stuff and the haunted house. But I, the only reason why I was okay with going was going to the uh, Salem Witch Trial, like, museum thing but we never ended up doing that so it was a it was a great trip for me but yeah i got roped into it one time dude like legitimately i i've gone like the past three years we go once a year one day a year only time i'm in salem ever it is an absolute fucking nightmare like (laughs) nowhere to park people everywhere like one way in one way out like atrocious like, yeah. like you said, like the the witch trial thing and all that shit's cool, like the history part of it. But like, my God, like just going in there, I was like, th- there has to be a better way. Like, n- no, like just not failing it anymore. It was brutal. And then um, getting away from that, I guess one last thing before we get to the hockey. You'll love this one. Oh, actually, hold on. Hold on, Benny. Th- this is what I'm going to do for this one today. You hear that right here? Oh, <laughs> cracking one. But um. So, so crack you were, a brewski. You, you crack a brewski. So you were a little delayed, you know, c- getting back. So I was already down here getting ready to fire up the show. And uh, the missus you, comes you up to me. It, Well, no, I ran upstairs. I was like, oh, well, I'll just go upstairs real quick in the meantime. So she must have went and put Emma to bed. She comes down. She's like, aren't you supposed to be podcasting? Like, I, I feel like I'm getting in, like, bumping into her time now. She's like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, I, I already have something planned. Like, you need to go. I'm like. Yeah, no, I'll I'll just go back to the basement. That's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> go back to your dungeon. Yeah, that's all. But uh, all right, episode two. Let's get into it. The the hockey part of it. Uh, we'll start with the biggest news this week. Benny, what do you think of Tom Wilson? Uh, twenty games. Uh, the suspension was heavy. Uh, but I think Dennis Schultz was trying to send a message. Uh, Wilson's been doing this a bunch with either. Openly dirty hits or borderline where he tries to play the old, I wasn't trying to injure anybody, it was just a hockey play, but I think he got suspended for a similar hit last year's, in last year's preseason, right? And Yeah, so I guess it, like the total of it's been like in the past 104, 105 games, this is now his fourth suspension. Yeah. I mean... You're not going to get the benefit of that anymore from the league once you have that track record and that type of reputation. Uh, so I think this is the NHL trying to send that message to him saying, listen, we've been 
Because NHL is usually pretty light on suspensions, so they've been treating him with kind of kid gloves, but I think they reached their breaking point of you've had too many run-ins with us in the last, like you said, 100 or so games. It's a preseason game. It was an unnecessary hit. It wasn't a hockey play where his shoulder somehow came up and hit him in the head, or it's just like an awkward landing uh, for the guy that received the hit. It was just an unnecessary uh, play of contact in a preseason game. So I think the NHL is trying to send that message and Hopefully Wilson picks it up. Uh, the Capitals are losing their first line winger for 20 games, which if his teammates, if he doesn't know he's letting down his teammates more than actually letting down a league, there's a bigger problem in the locker room. But um, this is finally hurting the team as well as uh, hurting his wallet. So hopefully the message gets across. Yeah, dude. Did you see it was like almost $1.3 million. I don't yeah, think I'll ever see that in my life, dude. <laughs> he's making that in 20 games. But, um... Like, I saw the hit, and the only thing that I really hate about it is I hate those blindside hits. Like, when you come back that way and you clean somebody out, you just never know what's going to happen. Like, it, he came in, maybe he was trying to go through the like through the middle of him, you know, shoulder in the chest, and he got him in the head. But the other thing that I wasn't too sure about was they didn't really have too many camera angles on it. It was just that one view. I don't know if it's because it's preseason hockey or whatever, but... Yeah. I would have loved to see like a different view of him to see if he actually got him square in the head or if he got some chest along with it. I mean, obviously, on the line of clean or dirty, I guess you got to say it's on the dirty line and obviously past reputation. And the biggest thing here is that guy got hurt. And um, yeah. did you see him the next day? That picture that they posted, like legit, yeah. like two different stitch well stitch lines coming down his face. So he got cut open in a couple of places. But, um, yeah, I just – I like Willie. I, I think he plays hard. He, and I think the other thing, too, with it is he's a big dude. Like, when he yeah. hits somebody, like, there's going to be some destruction behind it. And, and he's young. Like, he's only been in a league. Like, this is his third year. He's going to start learning how to rein that in a little bit. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I think the other thing – I don't want to say he's on, like, a Martian level in, the like, the line like that. But in the sense of he's now getting paid top dollar, like legit, he's making five million a year now. Mm -hmm. So just off that, you got to be there. You got to be on the ice. You can't be spending twenty games off of it. Um, he is appealing through the PA, so we'll see what happens. I think they might lower it to maybe fifteen max. But I mean, they might not say anything and just go off, you know, the reputation yeah. part of it. So. And that's the other thing the NHL does is they focus on if the player was injured. There's been plenty of times over the last few seasons where there's been like a uh, hit from behind into the like the dasher of the boards, and because the guy didn't sustain a major injury or he was able to return to the game, the guy would get a one or two game suspension or a fine. Uh, but if a player's injured, all of a sudden it becomes a higher severity. I feel like the league should focus on the hit and not actually actually the result of the hit. Yeah, I mean, because that's another thing, too. What if someone goes out with a concussion, now they got post-concussion? Like, God knows yep. how long they're going to be out for, so we doing just playing it's the hard. guessing game? you know? Yeah, so it's like, all right, so technically Matt Cook should have been out of the league for three <laughs> years before. His, like, you know, so it's just one of those things. The other thing is, like, I've dealt with concussions from hockey. we played our whole lives, and I might be just a little bit more sensitive to blindside hits like that or unnecessary hits to the head. I think all the hits to the head are unnecessary, to be honest. But I just, there's a time and a place. Like, if 
it was a playoff game, and you're trying to separate the guy from the puck, and he just drops drops it off at the last second or dishes it off to somebody, and then you run through him and hit him like that. I would understand the mentality of it because you're trying to win a cup. Uh, there's points on the line. There's a win on the line. But I just the preseason is what gets me. Last year he did it. This year he does it. Like, dude, relax. It's preseason. You're on the team. Why? Once you hit somebody in the head, you're messing with their livelihood and their health. And I don't think that's worth pretty much anything. Yeah, I mean, I think the one that he did last year against Zach Ashton Reese was more dirty than this one. Like, yeah, the I Zach agree. Ashton Reese one, like, he was headhunting. Like, there was no question he was going for him on that one. And this one, like, you know, like I said, the, outside of the whole blindside thing, that that was like the worst part of it. Someone, mm-hmm. I, I talked to someone this week. I forget who it was. It might have been, uh, Phil or Mainzie, big shout out to our to our two listeners. And uh, <laughs> no, um, we were talking about, it and someone said it reminded them of Rafi Torres, and I was like, "Oh, you have a Hosa?" No, well, this is the only thing: the Hosa hit by Torres. Torres legitimately came through the middle, left his skates, and yeah. jumped into his head. Like I don't think Willie's was that bad. He stayed on his skates the whole time. He came through him. I think suspension-wise, it's that bad. Well, I mean, Rafi got like 40 games on one of them, though, too. Yeah. But uh, honestly, though, I, I think Willie's on that track record. If he gets another suspension, why wouldn't they give him 40? Like, if they give you 20 and you don't smarten up, what's 40 going to do? Agreed. And it's kind of concerning if I'm in the caps, Capitals management thinking, we just signed this guy to a long-term deal. He's still so young into his career, and he's already had already has his reputation. And he's already dealing with the league, who's kind of fed up with him. Like you said, what happens if in December or January he comes through and it's another borderline hit, but because of the reputation, because of everything else, it gets billed for like another thirty to forty games. That's basically the entire year you're out without oh, yeah, your top line winger. And I think they will shove it up his ass too. Like there's no question. Like. If he thought 1.3 was bad and then they give him 30 or fucking 40, two point something, yeah. oh, good luck. If um, you were on the, uh, the Blues and that hit happens, are you – actually, let me rephrase that. If you're on the Capitals and that hit happens and you're asked by the media after the game, like, what do you think of the hit? Would you be able to – I know you would sit up for him because you'd be, you'd be his teammate, obviously, and you're going to keep that inside the locker room. But would you feel comfortable defending that hit as a hockey play or a clean hit? See, I don't know. But because, like you said, you're being a good teammate. You're trying to keep it in the locker room. I mean, maybe you just go with, you know, he's coming hard on a back check and he's trying to get a guy through the middle. I, I mean, I don't know what else you tell the media. What are you going to tell him? You know, Willie's a dick and yeah, he just cleaned that guy out and he deserves to get suspended. I don't think you want your <laughs> top line winger out. But um, now that you said that too, I know we're rambling a little bit on this one for a while, but um, a, well, not a couple of years ago, I think we were in college and Daniel Pie ended up hitting somebody blindside like that. And Ference actually said in the media, that's the hit that we're trying to get out of our game. Yeah, and, and I don't know whatever ended up happening with it. If they had a little square up match in the, you know in the trainer's office, or if they dealt with it on the ice at some point, but I just couldn't believe that that actually came out. It was like, ooh, I don't know if I've ever dealt with something like that before. Like you've seen Brian Boyle and somebody else with the Rangers have a fight in practice, but after like, oh yeah, no, we're all good, blah blah blah. I just couldn't believe that they actually went to the media on it. I was like, ooh, this is this could be ugly. 
Well, the two things about Ferns is the first one, he was your player rep to Union, so I think he was probably trying to make a larger stand and was willing to take the heat inside the room for speaking out to the media. But the other thing is, who is he to talk? Do you remember that hit into the boards he gave McDonough after he dumped a puck in that game? And ever since that hit, McDonough hasn't been the same quality of defenseman, where um, McDonough had his back turned, he was trying to dig the puck out, rip it around the boards in the end of a game against the Bruins at the Garden, TD Garden. And Ferenc just came in full steam and shoved them two fists into the middle of the back and shoved them face first into the dasher boards. And McDonough was done. And I think the pie hit was after that, if I'm not mistaken. So selective memory, I guess. Too many uh, elbows to the head. But I think Ferenc in that case is probably more of a union rep in that interview than a teammate of Pia. Yeah, and I mean, I understand how that can happen, too, when you're a union rep. You do got to say the right thing because I'm sure that's something they'd bring back to them, too, is, you know, you can't be a union rep and not back us on it. So yeah, is what it is. Uh, what else we got big this week? Seattle uh, oh, basically fair. in, needs one more vote in November to officially be in, a 75% vote. I think they're going to get it. Thoughts. Yeah, I Will mean, they, they sold. They had to stop the selling of season tickets deposits because they had they were up to twenty two thousand. That's crazy. Like, you, yeah. you know how big of a stadium you have to build. Like, the garden's only like seventeen five for hockey. So, I mean, that's it, an extra. It took yeah. twelve minutes. They put the season tickets online for deposits and it took twelve minutes for them to sell at the arena. And then an hour later, they had to shut it down because they're up to twenty two. And I think the arena that they had designed is only going to hold seventeen five. Oh, so yeah, that all. Pick who pays the highest, you know, make, make the right decision. <laughs> um, what do you think? You think it'll work? Think it won't work? I, I think the <coughs> NHL's kind of riding their Vegas high right now. But I also think that Vegas was kind of like lightning in a bottle. Like, this was Vegas's first pro team. Like, they, they were kind of all in. And, you know, they definitely got a lot of tourism there, too. So when your team's in town, you'll definitely go check them out. But, uh I don't know. I mean, I think it could open up some things out on the Western Conference, though, too, when you think about the closeness of Seattle and Vancouver. Agreed. And, and another thing, too, obviously you got to get that next vote to be approved and all that. But um, I wonder who they bring in hockey ops-wise just because McPhee did such a good job in Vegas, like building that team through that expansion draft, collecting picks, you know, negotiating with other teams that wanted to keep certain players and getting what he wanted. Like, they definitely got to bring someone in here who's hip to it, man, who's, like, really smart and will be able to figure all that out. Well, I know they've had Tippett, uh, Dave Tippett, the old Stars and Coyotes coach, uh, advising them on the hockey side of things. But he's never held the GM position, so... He may stick on in an advisory role, but yeah, I am curious. They would want somebody like McPhee with experience. It's not going to be most likely some young, uh, upcoming uh, front office guy. Who's out there that would that you think who's available now that might be able to sign on? Uh, McPhee's not going anywhere. Sather is Sather. Uh, <laughs> like GM wise, I don't know who's around or because you know how jobs go from year to year too. But yeah. if you're looking at someone that's well, yeah, and I mean, but the other thing, it's like, if you look from year to year or place to place or just who's available now and who could probably build a team, I think you got to think Brian Burke. I know he got that advisory role, but yeah. um, 
I think if he got the opportunity to be a GM again, he would take it in a heartbeat. And Berkey knows his shit, man. Like, he's been around a long time. He's drafted a whole bunch of good players. He can get players to sign. So I I think he might be a person of interest, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, the reason why I mentioned Holland was Iserman, Stevie White. uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. And everybody's saying that once his contract expires, he's going to take over in Detroit. Uh, to be close to the family, and Holland will either uh, move up in the organization as more of a president role, or he may just like leave. And if he leaves, if I'm the Seattle franchise, I would love to have a guy who's basically won four cups uh, in his career. He's built a consistent winner up until recently, uh, so has all the connections throughout the league. So he'd be at the top of my list, too. Berkey, I think he's single-handedly responsible for keeping a bunch of fourth-liners in business. Uh, the last like 10 years or so but <laughs> no I, I just like Berkey because I, I like the way he is with players like he's a straight shooter no bullshit I mean granted he'll call you out in the media and all that too but um, when it comes to like legitimately going through and selection of players and in depth and experience wise like nothing to take anything away from uh, Chaka out in uh, Arizona I mean, he he's really young, and he came in. Didn't he come in straight because he had a website or whatever? It was like a cap-friendly website or something like that, because, too. Uh, advanced Stats website uh, that he was hired in Arizona from. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm sure on that end of it, he, he's probably really good. And like I said, I don't want to take anything away from him. He got a dream job. Shit, I'd love to be a GM of a hockey team. <laughs> but um, I'm just saying in the sense of, like, probably when it comes to, like, he could look at a piece of paper and say, oh, well, according to this, your your Corsi's off. And it's like, yeah, well, take the Corsi and shove it up your ass, dude. Like, I'm one of your <laughs> best players, you know? So I just think that when it comes to communication and actually knowing hockey outside of analytics, I think he would be a good person to base your team on. Yeah. And to get back to your original question about if I think it'll work or not, mm-hmm. I think the region is really perfect for NHL expansion. Uh, they're already a big sports city. Uh, they obviously have the significant interest uh, with the season ticket deposit sales. Uh, but for a few years, they've been saying that they've been uh, looking at bringing both the NBA and NHL back to, to the city. Um, I think it's going to be a really big success in terms of instant success like Vegas had. Apparently, they're going to have the same draft rules uh, that Vegas had which should help, but I think the rest of the GMs around the league are not going to uh, get caught with their pants down again in terms of giving away first-round picks or like uh, top-tier prospects in order to keep somebody on their roster uh, and lose two assets at the cost of uh, retaining one. So I don't think you're going to end up with Seattle coming in uh, and first year going to the Cup, but the thing I'm curious about is the timing of it. So initially everybody thought it would be the 20, uh, 2021 season, but now they're talking about it could be the season after because they're unsure if there's going to be a lockout coming up. And once they mentioned the L word, I think uh, there was a short chill that went down my spine after dealing with that twice in our lives so far and having a full season lockout. Uh, so hopefully they get that worked out. But um, yeah, I think they're going to be a big hit. The expansion fee was even more than Vegas just paid last year. I think it was like $650 million that they had to pay for a fee. Oh. And then they're renovating Key Arena. 
because it was not made for hockey. They're basically stripping it to its core, redoing all of it, and it's going to cost $700 million. So on t- total investment before anybody's even hired or pl- uh, players are paid is $1.3 uh, billion. God bless. Jesus yeah. <laughs> what a country. Um, did you see the other thing on it, too, about so part of the Seattle team going out into the West is that they're basing it off of Arizona's not going to be able to get their lease renewed or something like that. And they were planning on relocating Arizona to Houston and then putting them in the central division. So I was like, that is a whole lot of moving pieces. That is kind of a little crazy. Uh, Another thing with the two is, so now you got two other teams out in the West. Once is there in like, do you add another two to the East, or is this just kind of like uh, right I, place, right time? Just let I them hope be. they don't add two expansion teams to the East. The talent level is already diluted enough on the bottom pair and bottom line uh, on most teams. Well, that should be I, perfect then for an, for an uh, expansion draft. Yeah, you can definitely <laughs> take these guys. It's fine. Um, and it's also interesting in the fact of when Seattle becomes official in the league, and conduct the expansion draft because if it's delayed by a year, that might impact a lot of teams in terms of uh, young players that are making their debuts this year won't be protection eligible if uh, Seattle joins for the 21-22 season. Actually, so that's, that's uh, a huge thing too. Just now you got to keep an eye on your players as to when you can put them in and put them out because then if they're not accepted by that entry level, oh, that, yeah, that's tough, dude. <laughs> but the thing with... I know we talked last week about we're going to have a whole episode about expansion and NHL relocation, both past and potential in the future. It, they can't go to Houston. Nobody cares, man. You're going to move the Coyotes from a city that doesn't care to another city that won't care, and then the NHL is going to try and make it work for another two decades, and then what? Move them somewhere else back west because you need to keep alignment okay? You're going to move Detroit back to the Western Conference. I think that's the one reason why I hate Bettman, dude. Cause like for <laughs> no, like uh, I'll give it to him. Uh, he has a great product on the ice and so on and so forth as you need to be a commissioner of a league. But like, there's always, there's always something like a realignment or a this or a that like speaking, you said the L word and oh, I just got the chills again. <laughs> but um, they said that the world cup of hockey could come back in 2020 but only if they stay on their current NHLPA agreement, their bargaining agreement. Is it going to use that as a negotiating ploy? Oh, of course they are. Like, dude, but I, I want to know, too, because they still haven't come up with the numbers from the last World Cup of Hockey. I still think they're holding out a little bit. So Yeah, they're not going to come completely, be completely transparent with that. Well, yeah. The World Cup of Hockey was a huge hit. Why would they risk? This is why the NHL doesn't grow. Like, they can move into any market they want. They can promote it however they want. But the owners shoot themselves in the foot because every single time they take something successful, like the World Cup of Hockey, which only came about because they didn't go to the Olympics, which I think is was one of the dumbest decisions he's made in the last, like, five to ten years. Yeah, thanks, Gary. But you had the um, stadium series added to the New Year's Day game. Beating it into the ground. Now it's just, there's no spectacle anymore. It's just like, oh, yeah, here's another game outside at another baseball or football stadium. They shoot themselves in the foot, and that's why it doesn't grow. 
just negotiate now. You have two years. Get it over with. Like, why would you wait to the last minute and start using uh, things that fans actually like? One, if you take that away, and there's another, even if it's a short lockout, the fans are just the casual fans again are going to like go away, and then everybody's going to spend time. All the networks, the NHL is going to spend all this money trying to get them back at the cost of the values of like the hardcore fans like us. I must say your your blue streaks on this uh, screen here look phenomenal. Uh, big big shout out to Benny. He went out. He got a big boy mic. We're gonna keep this fucking thing going for a couple more weeks at least. So uh, I'm, I'm just saying, um, it's an investment, mate. <laughs> yeah, an, an investment in the free podcast. Free podcast. So advertisement, if you want to call. Um, I'm working out of my basement studio right now. Um, anyways, uh, let's keep going here. I got a couple of Bruins things, but I'll do those at the end, even though a couple of them are extremely relevant to this show. Um, I'm going to jump right to the Hamannick thing. So Travis Hamannick out for, the, it's still kind of TBD. I think they said four to six weeks, might be a little longer, with the facial fracture after that good Branson fight. Um, got into the fight after he was defending the rookie. I mean, Good or bad, I mean, you always want to be that guy to defend your players, and Hamannick's that. But for them to lose one of their top-tier defensemen this early in a season, I don't want to say it's make or break, but, I mean, dude, this is a tough turnaround. Like, right at the beginning of the year, now he's out, and usually, what do they say, Thanksgiving's kind of the cutoff line as to, like, usually whoever's in the playoffs then is in the playoffs in the springtime. So kind of a crucial time to get a big injury like that. And, yeah, like you said, it's a big loss on the right side of their defense core because they did move Hamilton in the offseason like we talked about last week. I don't... See, it's hard to say because if both of us were in a similar situation, I feel like we would at least uh, make a run at Gabranson as well. But if I'm Hamnick, again, I say this a lot, but you got to know your importance to the team, uh, and know who exactly you'd be facing off against. Gabranson is a bad mofo. Dude, he's like, a big dude. <laughs> like, I get you want to stick up for your teammate, but there's been there's plenty of ways to stick up for your teammate without having to drop the gloves one-on-one with someone like Gabranson. Um, and plus, Calgary has guys that can take care of that. You don't have to get him right now in preseason. You have, during your conference he's in your division. You're going to face him plenty of times in a regular season and be able to handle it, and the team can make a decision to bring somebody off from A, a if they need to or uh, claim somebody off waivers like a Cody McLeod to bring him in just to handle business for that. And that way, you're still on the ice. You're not missing three, four months of the season because you want to stick up for this rookie. Yeah, I think that's a big thing too, like kind of going in the direction of the way the league's going where you don't have that one guy that you can healthy scratch or hit or who's on the team, but is your fourth-line guy. Like, Brian McGratton was that for them for years. Like, even if he wasn't in the lineup for this game, I'm sure once as you went to the dressing room in between periods, he would have been there like, don't worry, next game business will be taken care of. Well, even Furland, and they traded him this summer. Yeah, I I was surprised too. Well, I was going to say, Kachuk's more like an instigator type, but even him did not jump in there. But, I mean, granted, he's a little bit younger and – who knows shift-wise as to when the next shift Goodbranson had. Maybe it just lined up where it was just him and Hamannick on the ice and 
you know, definitely unfortunate for him. And like you said, with, with Hamilton gone now too, that's a huge hole on their right side that they're going to have to try and fix and on the fly quick. Yeah, the Flames, I just I looked it up. They say he's out week to week, but he has a facial fracture. He's not – he's going to be out at least the first quarter of the season. And like you mentioned earlier in terms of traditionally uh, with the NHL, if you're in the playoff bracket – by Thanksgiving, the odds of you staying in that bracket and you're going to end up making the playoffs, the seeding may be TBD, but you're going to make the playoffs is very high. So to start out the year without Hamilton because you moved him, Hamannick because he's injured, and still trying to sort out your top nine uh, combos, you still don't know what you're going to get from Mike Smith and goal. So it's going to be a tough start for Calgary, who's actually one of the teams that I thought would surprise a lot of people this year. So we'll see if they'll be able to uh, fit, uh, fill that role for him with they called up Rasmus Anderson from the A he's a good player but they're going to have to overuse Giordano and Brody a lot uh, to start the year yeah the boys are going to be gassed that's for sure Michael Stone is actually moving up I forgot about him he'll probably move up to the second pair to replace Hamnick and good luck with that <laughs> yeah good luck <laughs> Um, a person near and dear to my heart got the first 2, 5, and 10 of the year big up to Brad Marchand um, this is, uh, I'm not just talking about, Can we send him something in the mail. I, I, I sent him my heart. Uh, I'm just, you know, <laughs> but, but no, um, I, I think this is a big topic just because when I saw it happen live, I could see every reason for why it happened. I wake up the next morning and I'm like scrolling through Facebook and I see a thing. I believe it was TSN put out and it's like, should Marshand be suspended for this? And, and for your, all of you that don't know. My Bruins got absolutely fucking trounced opening night by the Capitals. Um, Tukarask, seven nothing. Yeah, seven. Yeah, they, they put up the touchdown and the the uh, the point after on us. <laughs> and, and Tuka will be my next topic after this. But um, on the Martian part, like Eller scores the seventh goal. Could this be carryover? Because Lars used to play for the Canadians. I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll see. We'll get into that. <laughs> I mean, he he definitely fits the Montreal mold, no question. So after his goal, he does that the the, the wrist shake, the the three sixty shuffle, whatever you want to call it. So he does it after the goal, and then he does it as he's going by the bench. Goes down his little handshake line, comes back out, and someone's chirping him, and he's having a conversation. Okay, I don't know if it was Marshy or who it was. They just showed Lars talking, is what it is. Next time out on the ice, the boys are already upset. I mean, they're proud guys. They play hard. You, you, no one wants to come out open at night on top of it and lay a shitter. When a team raised the championship banner. Yeah, like you think you had a chance to jump on someone. They're over here watching their Stanley Cup parade from the year before. You're like, here we go, boys. Let's get on them. And then 30 seconds in, Tuca legs and egg. But yet again, we'll get to Tuca. But um, so then Lars is out on the ice. He's in between the top of the top of the circle and the blue line, winds up slap shot and gets marshy like in between the belt and the shoulder pads, like just about like midsection high. And that's when marshy jumps him. Listen, th- this is like this is where uh, uh, like I don't want to my homer is going to come out and sound like I'm defending him. But I think it is vital here that the league did not jump in with a suspension or a fine because this is the NHL. You do something, there is definitely going to be ramifications for it. 
and I, and I think at the same time, Lars Eller has to know that. Like, you can't be going by doing your little wrist shimmy shake in front of the bench and think nothing's going to happen. Like, what's wrong with you? At the same time, this is Brad Marchand who went after you. This is not Zidane Ochara. This is not Kevin Miller. This is not one of our heavyweights. This is our little munchkin. Like, you know, like, granted, he he's a little rat and he's all over you. But it's like, Lars, you're, I think he was six foot, six one, six two. He's in that thing, probably about 210. Marshy's about 5'8", and that's a generous 5'8", about 180. Marshy tunes him up. Those two rights at the end, dude. Oh, my God, dude. I'm playing him on replay as I, like, talk. Like, this whole episode in the background, all I am just watching is Marshy just landing those two rights over and over again. But, no, it's like, I think it's vital that the league does not send a message here. Like, we're the NHL. We're not the NBA. We're not the NFL. You step out of line, someone's going to answer. That's the reason why we still have fighting in this sport. And I think that's crucial here. Um, it, like, it was just driving me crazy that, yet again, it's Marshy and the background and everything else. But someone has to answer the bell there. And, and yeah. like I said, big leadership guy now. He's been here however many years. He won a cup here. He knows what it takes to win in this league. And I think it's big for him because he doesn't really drop the gloves too much. Like maybe once, twice a year. That's about it. But yeah, like I said, it, he, it's a munchkin that we went out there after him. We didn't send the big fellas. It's him. Like, really? Lars couldn't handle himself against Brad? I mean, Lars isn't really known as a fighter. Martian definitely had the upper hand there, even if he was in a little bit low over weight class. But I saw nothing worthy of a suspension or a fine from the league. The NHL pleases itself, and I'm glad that the fighting that they basically uh, restricted around the league was the stage fights between two goons at center ice because they want to change momentum. Now it's more about um, heat of the moment. Something went wrong in the ice. Um, there's just like bad blood between two guys like that's fine and everything that's the fight with martian and eller i don't see anything wrong with it um but eller has to know you have a history with this team most of these guys on the bruins like you've kept your core intact since you guys have a couple years since you guys won a cup they know you you've been playing against them for your entire career you can't do that up seven nothing and then expect nothing to happen to you even if it was just uh, a hard hit into the boards. You have to be ready when Marshan is like on the ice in that situation. Like the fact that he got caught off guard like he did, and then didn't even know how to turtle. Like if you don't want to fight, if you don't want to do anything, turtle. Like to take those two punches that he took right square to the face was surprising to me. But he's got to know something was coming. I don't see anything wrong with what Marshan did. Well, dude, when you score the seventh goal and now you're up seven nothing and you're doing your wrist curl like it was your first goal in the National League, Like, yeah, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Like, unreal. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know if there's been any update or if the league's come out and said that there's going to be no punishment uh, for Marshan, but if not, I hope they don't do anything. And this is coming from a, guy, from a guy who, as a Rangers fan, can't stand Brad Marchand. But for once, I'll stick up for him in this case. Thank God, because the other two people listening are definitely going to think they're going to thank you, Benny. You're getting a thank you card in the mail, maybe an edible arrangement. We'll see. It might be for me, I'll but you're getting it. 
Yeah, just take the edible. That's fine. <laughs> um, I guess since we're already talking about them, I'll talk about the one other awful spot here. It is game two. Tomorrow is game three of the regular season for the Bruins. One o'clock on Columbus Day. You know, recording on Sunday night. You know, that's fine. Um, legit, dude. We already have a goalie controversy on our hands. <laughs> Tuka fucking Rask is shit. I'm sick of defending him. I, I know last week I went out and I said I think he's a good goalie. He's out. Fuck him. He's out. Like what I've happened been, to him, man? Dude, I've narrowed it down to three things, and it's something that I and I see. And I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't listen to my vision anyways. But <laughs> like, so the first goal, the complete cross ice pass. T.J. Oshie buries it. Tuka's late. Tuka's late sliding from post to post. One thing I'm seeing here, because the other thing, so the start of the second period, Washington comes in yet again, and they have a chance. Someone does a wraparound around the net. The puck comes out front. Whoever shoots it gets Tuca right in the leg pad. And the only reason why he got him in the leg pad was because Tuca still had him pushed off to go to the other post yet. So I'm thinking it's one of a couple of things here. One, his vision is completely messed up. Like, Send him to go get LASIK because he can't see. Like, just vision is not working, whether it's the depth of the puck in the in the arena, maybe it's the lights. Something's not adding up because he's completely delayed on everything. N- no bueno. The second thing I see is his push from side to side is not getting him there. And it's delayed. So I'm thinking that maybe he's hurt, maybe it's a groin, he just doesn't have that oomph to go from one side of the net to the other. And yet again, if you're hurt, Deal with it. Off se- we just had a whole off season. Like you could have had surgery on whatever it was. Didn't do it. The other thing is this, and this has always been the case with Tuca. He is a basket case. When he's not into it, he's not into it. Doesn't yeah. give a fuck. Doesn't give a shit. Like he'll throw the D under the bus completely. Because the best part was after this game, they interview him. What does he say? I let in three bad goals. Motherfucker, there was seven goals. Granted. The whole team didn't show up. I yeah, understand. with a lack of accountability on that, you can't say that out loud. Oh, well, dude, he, he's been like that since forever, too. So, like, to me, I think he, he's finally just wrote himself off. So we have that first game. Next day we go out, we play Buffalo on the road again. Back-to-back, Halak comes out, 4 nothing shutout, and looks phenomenal. I'm sick of defending Tuca. I've done it for years now. No mas. Start Halak, ride the hot hand. I don't care if you have seven million on the bench. Buy him out at the end of the year. XOXO case out. No more. <laughs> like that's it. The thing is, if you're gonna run, like Halak can go on a hot streak, um, but he's not gonna be able to. Like if you look at his production with the Islanders the last few years, he's not gonna be able to carry you guys where you want to go this year and next year. Um, so if you're really, and if the Bruins are really gonna decide that Tuke isn't the main guy. That cap hit might, is going to be prohibitive in terms of uh, replacing him with like a true number one or a guy he can split with. But you would have to go out and make a move. And how is two going to handle that? Because when he lets in the bad goal, he like loses his shit on the ice. If oh, he gets benched for another guy, how's he going to handle that? It's going to be a, a bad. Uh, it's going to be a bad situation in the room for you guys. Probably, but the other thing is this too. Like even if we tried dealing him. We probably couldn't because I don't think anyone would take him. Like, I think everyone is, A, the cap hit, but B, how mental he is. Like, I don't think anyone wants to deal with him. They're like, 
No, Don, I don't care if there's eight number one picks on the other end. Like, we're not bringing them in our room. We're good. Like, keep them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it. You guys are in a tough spot. I hope – I mean, there's been plenty of examples in the past of goalies who have had a good run and then they just lose it, um, even if they're not old in hockey years. Um, hopefully that's not the case for Tuca for you guys, but how long do you think the Bruins – have a leash for him to start the year. Like, let's say they keep Tuka in the number one spot, even though Halak has been playing well to start the year. 20 games, 25 games, 50 games to the trade deadline? Like, what do you think? I say it's about a month. So, I don't know, however many games we have. Because I think it was last year with Dobie, too. It was the same thing where once as he started slipping, once as November came around, I mean, I'm pretty sure Dobie was in the crease from beginning of November to start of December. And then finally they gave it back to Tuca, and he kind of went on a run there. But I, I just don't know how long you wait for. Like, I understand it's game one, but usually first game of the year, you're pumped up, man. You're ready to go. He, he just doesn't even show up. Granted, yeah. yet again, it was the whole team the first game. There was a completely different team out there from Wednesday to Thursday. I get that. But for him not not being able to see pucks, track pucks, do whatever it is as a goaltender to keep the puck out of the net, it makes me worried. Yes, and I think I've officially hit my point of trying to defend them because I can't anymore. Hey, listen, it's the Rangers who are I'll take Hanky. Send, send Hanky here. We'll, we'll give you an even swap for that. Even Hanky being older, it'll at least give us fucking effort in net. Well, what's an even swap? I want the brusque. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We're, we're keeping Jake. But, uh, well, I guess the other thing... I forget who it was. I heard someone on the Sports Hub saying the other day that they have the future in this kid, Vladder or Vladar. They they sent him back down to Providence. But he needs a couple of years of seasoning to finally be an NHL goalie. But they say he has everything. He's a big kid. He takes up a lot of the net, so on and so forth. The only problem is we can't bring him up now. Like, we need to fast forward three years in net, but we need to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, all right. That'll be interesting to see how long the Bruins actually wait if Tuka doesn't uh, pull himself out of it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Butchie did a good job last year. I'm hoping for the same this year in the sense of the leash isn't that big. So if he starts shitting the bed, he starts shitting the bed, and, and you know when to pull on him. Um, All right, uh, enough of my depression over two games of hockey this year. PB borderline heart attack. But, um... I guess we'll jump right into it. First week of the NHL in the books. Well, not the first week, but the first couple of days. Any surprises, Benny? Anything? Tough starts? Injuries? Well, outside of the Hamnick one, I don't know if there's been too many, but what do you see yeah. out there? I, I mean, I have a couple observations. Like you said, it's only been about two or three games for most teams, but uh, I'll start with the Stars, who entering the season, everybody knew they would have enough firepower to be competitive. The defense is solid enough. But there was a question around uh, how good their defensive scheme would be with the talent that they have, as well as their goaltending. And to start the year, they're undefeated. They played two games, they're undefeated. Uh, they've only given up one goal, uh, combined both uh, games. So I thought that was interesting to see if that situation continues in terms of having pretty solid goaltending play. I can see the Stars making a push uh, with the Blues for the third spot uh, in their division and avoiding a wild card situation. 
Uh, the other observation out west is um, just how poorly, again, Arizona starts off. Last year, I think they lost eight in a row to start the year. This year, they've lost both games. They haven't scored a goal yet. Uh, Arizona came in as a big-time sleeper pick for most quote-unquote experts. Um, but it doesn't look like too much has changed to start the year. They lost uh, to Anaheim last game out. Um, so we'll see what's going on there. The other thing I just wanted to touch on, the fucking Rangers, man. Like, they lost again today, 8-5. They gave up eight goals to the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, they officially they, lost that one? Last I checked, it was 5-5. Five, five. Yeah, no, they lost. Um, it was 4-4 going into the third period. They gave up a four in the third. Hank didn't start. It was uh, the young goalie that they called up late last year, Georgiev. They didn't pull him, which I thought was interesting, that they had Hank on the bench, and they let the rookie kind of wear it today, giving up all eight goals uh, in the loss. But 0-3, they're outscored at this point uh, by eight goals by their opponents. I knew they were going to not be that great this year, but they just look completely lost defensively. And that's one of the main reasons why David Quinn was hired was AV's system uh, kind of fell apart once the talent started fitting out uh, for the Rangers. Quinn was supposed to instill a new defensive scheme, uh, bring accountability back to that, and it just hasn't translated into the regular season to start the year. And that's probably my biggest disappointment with the team. Our offense is doing okay enough. Uh, but I think that's my biggest disappointment as a Ranger fan to start the year. One question about um, Arizona that you brought up is, yeah, do you think a part of it is coaching? Like you said, the last two years, Tockett's been there. And do you think Tockett falls into a category? I mean, I guess we'll find out after this year of maybe he's just a better assistant coach than he is head coach. Like maybe like a Johnny Mack type deal, like Johnny Mack assistant wise, he was on some great teams and, and you know, it seems like he was a great assistant coach, but just head coach didn't really cut it. So do you think maybe that's it? Or cause I mean, turn around and player wise. And yeah, like you said, sleeper picks, like they seem to be the team that could do it, but yeah. I would, like you said, it might be difficult to answer until after the year. Uh, the only reason why I said is because their talent is so young, so you never know if they're just dealing with growing pains or guys are still adjusting to being in the pros. The one area that, even though they haven't scored a goal this year, um, Rant has started off pretty well. Uh, and if he stays healthy, uh, he had a good start to the year last year. If he stays healthy, I think the Coyotes will be able to pull themselves out of it. I think their situation is better than Anaheim and Vancouver, um, borderline there with Edmonton. So I think they'll be able to pull themselves out of it a little bit. I would not be surprised if, even if they're around 500, around like game 30 or 40, if there's been no progress made from last year's uh, scheme of production to this year, that they let uh, Taki go and bring in somebody with a little bit more experience. Um, who that is, I don't know. Maybe AV goes out there. Uh, but we'll see. I just, I didn't like to hire to begin with. I was also curious about the decision for Calgary to hire Bugner. Uh, not Bugner, um, Peters. Florida to hire Bugner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, young talent that they have. So all these rookie coaches responsible for developing talent while still winning. Uh, it's interesting to see if they'll be able to pull it off, but Arizona should be doing a lot better than what they've shown to start the year. 
All right, and we're getting towards the end of it here now, Benny. Uh, we'll, we'll get right to it. I know we said we were going to do a division previews and all that, but I figure with the season already started, we'll just kind of wing it with everything that's going on as opposed to a preview. So we'll go right to the end, fast forward. Who do you got, Western Conference Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, Stanley Cup champion? All right, Western Conference Finals. Um... Well, actually, you just go Western Conference champion because I feel like it, you, when you got to go through the whole thing, then you got to go through – all right, Central plays the Central. <laughs> who's going to play who? So who do you got coming out of the West? Who you got coming out of the East? Who's winning it? Um, this is not going to be a terribly exciting pick for out West, but uh, I think Nashville, this is their year. Um, I know they had success two years previously, and then a lot of people picked them to uh, win a cup last year, and I think their loss uh, kind of helped reset their focus a little bit. Um, and I just... I would love to see uh, Rene get a Stanley Cup uh, opportunity again before he's aging and stuff. I think Nashville, this is their year. Um, I think they have teams like Winnipeg uh, and Dallas ready to take over in the next year or two. So if they don't do it this year, they may have that window closed without ever pulling in a title. So I got them coming out from out west. Um, East, it was interesting. I kept going back and forth between... Uh, Tampa and Boston. If whoever, I feel like they're going to play each other in the second round. So whoever comes out of that, I feel like it's going to make it out of the East. But with the way, like you touched on, two good when starting the year, I'm going to have to lean Tampa. And Bettman has his uh, non-traditional hockey market orgasm of a Stanley Cup with Tampa Bay and Nashville. And I think Nashville pulls it out in seven. Is it weird? Well, I don't want to say weird or lackluster that I actually have the same matchup. I have Nashville <laughs> coming out of the West and Tampa coming out of the East. I'm just saying, when you're smart and you know smart people, you're going to start sounding like them, Kevin. Hey, when, when you know shit, you know shit. And, um, <laughs> so I got Nashville coming out of the West. I think Rene, who's had a lot of trouble in playoff starts and like road venues, I think he finally redeems himself. That game seven last year against Winnipeg, if they win that, I think they go the cup. I think they yeah. they steamroll Vegas. Um, so I, th- I I see them back on track. Not to mention, too, side note, Nashville has the best video coach in the league. Learned everything I know from him. Big shout-out to La Filoni. Um, Coming out of the East, Tampa, I just finally think it's their year, man. Like, they finally have things lined up. Yet again, injuries and everything throughout the year. We'll see how that plays out. But on paper, I think they're just a wagon, and they're just going to take everybody. And then on top of it, um, I love Cooper as a coach, man, like just the ultimate player's coach, always backing his guys. Um, Yeah, you never hear a problem coming out of the room down in Tampa. No, and like Cooper's just the man, too. Like the whole story behind him, if you listen to this YouTube John Cooper story, and – uh the the wolf of wall street comes up and all like awesome (laughs) awesome story like i love the background i love cooper as a coach if the bruins ever gassed cassidy that's who i would want them to get like go there and pick cooper up and bring him here like i just love coop don't give him the option just grab him yeah yeah and i mean like legit you never like you said you never hear a bad thing about him and all that how much of an upgrade was it from guy boucher to john cooper 
Oh my god, dude! The guys are probably like the other guy wouldn't even fucking talk to us, and now Coop just <laughs> won't shut up. They probably didn't know what was going on. Guy Boucher looked like a lethal weapon villain. Dude, like Guy Boucher walks around with a skate in his pocket, and I mean like a full-on hockey skate. And if you look at him the wrong way, like he probably just points at the <laughs> scar on his face and like tells you you're gonna get that next. Like the that's how it's gonna happen. Yeah, like, um. I'm curious, actually, I know, I don't know if you actually went this far in terms of when you're figuring out who would come out of each conference for the cup, uh, if you went through, like, each seating, like, round by round, but if you did, I was curious on who you had in the conference finals, uh, playing national and then playing Tampa. I didn't go that far, guy. I'm not an overachiever. That's why they make <laughs> brackets for in the springtime. We go off those. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. I feel like if, if you had to go off the wall, if you had to pick a team from each conference that could surprise and be like a sleeper pick to come out and represent the conference in the cup, besides like the uh, more traditional ones, who would you feel like you'd be comfortable putting some money on? See, like, if you got to go sleeper, I feel like th- there's certain things you got to go off of. Like, when you go to... The East, for example. I think you already have locked up. You got Boston, Toronto, Tampa. You got Pittsburgh, Washington. And then you kind of fill in the others, see where they fall. And I I feel like Columbus could be a team that could make a run because they they got most of their players back. And uh, they're still under that Tortorella system where everything is, you know, coming from the general. Everything's locked down pretty good. So shout I think, out Larry Brooks. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Torts. Um, <laughs> I think they might be a team. And yet again, I mean, I don't know if you, you would count St. Louis as a sleeper, but um, I mean, I think they could definitely make a run too. So it's hard to weigh it in the sleeper sense, I guess. I, I guess we'd have to see like the actual rankings of how people fall in and go that way. Yeah, I actually had Columbus as well. As, and that's they're in an interesting spot. Uh, since they know Panarin's not going to resign, Bobrovsky is a free agent at the end of the year too. If they're in contention, do they go for the run, knowing that they're going to lose those two guys for nothing if they don't deal them at the deadline, or they move one or both of them because they have the more long-term view of the organization at the risk of potentially making a run for a cup this year? Oh, that's tough, dude. Uh, and I only say that too because Yarmo and Davidson are two smart dudes. Yeah. And I feel like they would know return and return on the dollar. And when it comes to the trade deadline, I feel like that's another thing, too, where a couple of years ago, I forget, oh, we had Louis Erickson, and we were trying to deal him at the deadline. We knew he wasn't going to re-sign here. And Cam Neely actually came out and said that no one offered them a first-round pick. That was what they labeled Louis as. So they did not trade him. He said they got offers for seconds and from for some other pieces, but they did not get a first, so they did not feel like it was worth moving. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's cool, the honesty part, coming out with it. But the only other part I have coming back to it is I think the bread man, Panarin, is way better than Erickson is. So what do you <laughs> label the return as? Like a decent player along with picks, strictly picks? Like where does it go? Yeah, I mean, Columbus has been struggling uh, for most of their existence to generate sustained interest uh, from fans around the city. 
I feel like if they're making a run for it, I think they'll actually finish uh, second in a division ahead of Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, ahead of Washington at Pittsburgh in a division. But if they have that interest going in, and Bavrovsky's playing well, Panarin's playing well, they're healthy. I'll take an old Glenn Sather quote when he traded for Eric Lindros about lions and sheep. You can be a lion or you can be a sheep. You got to be a lion once in your career here. You can't always have a five to seven year outlook. You got to either go for it or you're always going to be, well, we ha- we're going to be successful for the next five years with no guarantee for anything. Or you can win that cup, and be immortal forever, have your name etched on there, and then figure it out after. And you know what? If that's what comes down to it and the chemistry's working and everything else, why mess it up? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Like you said, you know you're not getting Panarin or Bobrovsky back maybe. Or I think Bob has another one year left on his deal before he's unrestricted after next. But, yeah, no, I mean, go for it. What's the worst that happens? You, you go to the cup and don't win, but at the same time you don't put the effort in. You don't know. You don't try. So damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, and at one point, at some point, you got to show it to the players and to the fan base that you're committed to making moves to actually win. And if you do that, you'll get guys more interested in resigning or actually signing as a free agent with the team and fans knowing, okay, this ownership group, this manage, uh, management group is in it to win it. They're not just trying to make uh, a profit and say that call that successful as a semi-new team in the league. Um, out of the West, my sleeper pick is Calgary, and that was before Hamannick, so I, that's subject to change. If I have to choose somebody else, I'm actually going to go with uh, uh, Dallas. Dallas, I like that. So another more traditional market in Calgary, hopefully, but we'll see. All right, well, I, I think that's it. I think we're wrapping it up for the week. Uh, we got anything else on the back end, Benny? Uh, not related to hockey, but... Uh, I am remiss if I do not give an actual shout-out to uh, the First Lady here. Since you mentioned her in the beginning, I actually failed to give a shout-out. So, hashtag uh, First Lady, shout-out to Anna. Ooh, hashtag Mrs. NYR. <laughs> but other than that, just happy that regular season hockey is back and a few more games in before our next podcast. Hopefully a few more storylines. But, um, yeah, just... Hockey, hockey, hockey. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd say with that, episode two is in the books. Numero dos. Esta finito. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week.